Welcome to Scrub Cask, where we take a closer look at the research happening in Stanford University's Department of Surgery. I'm your host, Rachel Baker. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Nazish Syed. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Dr. Syed is an assistant professor in the Division of Vascular Surgery and the Cardiovascular Institute. You are unique in this department in that you are purely research faculty. How did you end up with all the science without the slicing into humans? Uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. That What is a non-surgeon doing in the division? In the of, Department of Surgery. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> so I feel actually it is the right match and the marriage between research and clinical because I think that is where my translational experience can bring along. It is very important to understand the, the bench side to go to the bedside. And you know, I bring in that research experience, which we can hopefully tell the surgeons what needs to be done or what doesn't need to be done by knowing their cells in a dish, you know, by knowing what is happening molecularly so that uh, you know, our amazing surgeons can actually improve surgical outcomes. Definitely, that's awesome. How did you end up at Stanford? I yeah. mean, you just, you kind of went through the little bit of like, you ha you were gonna get your MD, then you decided to get your PhD. Yeah, so I did my MD and I did my, uh, in, in cardiology, I loved it, but well, there's something missing, you know? I was like, you know, as soon as I finished my clinical academic career, I was like, this is not the only thing I want to do. I want to be a little more creative and understanding this heart disease dysfunction. So I said, the best way to do it would be to do a PhD, not an MD PhD, but a PhD separately where I can learn from many different experts of how many different tools are applied to understand heart disease. And that's what I did. I did my PhD. Then I decided, okay, well, I want to now switch gears and try to look into vascular disease and not mm. just the heart dysfunction. So that led me to go into the vasculature. And the next, you know, I ended up in the division of vascular surgery among surgeons, which I think is amazing. I learn a lot from all the surgeons and I hope I can contribute to them about, you know, understanding at a molecular level. So this is, this has been the journey going from clinic to a non-clinic, uh, from a heart to the vasculature. Well, so I brought you on the show today to talk about statins. I was having a joking conversation with my GI about what five medications every person should be taking, and statins was one of them. Um, and then I related this story to my sister-in-law, who's an internal medicine doc, uh, over the holidays, and her list also started with statins. So I had a, I started having a real case of FOMO here um, because I'm not on a statin and I'm not really sure what it is. Can you help explain? Sure. You know, rightly said, it is a common drug which has amazing effects and people should be on it. I can tell you I am on a statin and it's not because I've been doing research on statin, it's because it is a really wonderful drug. It has many pleiotropic effects. Initially, we thought statins was only to lower the bad cholesterol, which was the LDL, uh, mm -hmm. which it does. You know, it takes out the cholesterol from the plaque and it is able to uh, decrease the risk of uh, coronary heart disease. But I'll tell you, as more technology and tools have been brought about in the, in the research uh, landscape, 
be able to now dig into what other effects or, uh, you know, pleiotropic effects of statins could be. And this is where I feel uh, the beneficial effects of statins kick in. You know, we thought of bad cholesterol, but it's actually important for improving uh, vascular function. It is has anti-inflammatory effects. You know, uh, people have started to now recommend it for cancer patients because it can reduce inflammation, uh, which could be brought about by the vasculature. I mean, you know, you think about the vascular, and then specifically statins effects on the vasculature is, is crucial. Now, what I'm going to say, Rachel, is that your vasculature is like the plumbing in your body. It starts from yep. the brain all the way to the top, from the top to the toe. Uh, and mm-hmm. any blockage in this plumbing could have many effects. And statins specifically is helping unclog, I would say, it in, in layman terms, the vasculature. So that is why statins was recommended by a GI as one of the five you know, common drugs. It's the Drano uh, of my vasculature. There you go. There you go. You put it right. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did some research looking at how statins work on the molecular level. I found a paper published in Nature Cardiovascular Research from May 2023. But I must admit, I thought yap was a sound that my dog made. Um, <laughs> so can you maybe put this into terms the average patient could understand? <laughs> Right. No, no. So uh, thanks for thanks for reading the paper. So, you know, that's where we started looking into the unknown effects of statins at the molecular level. So, of course, it's going to lower the cholesterol. But we found that, you know, statins have a very beneficial effect on the endothelial cell. So this is a cell which is lining your inner wall of the vessel. It, mm-hmm. it is an amazing cell, which is a, basically a monolayer. And this statins has an effect on that one specific cell type. You know, but as we age, as we are going through the elements of our life, we have a lot of inflammation. We have a lot of, uh, you know, buildup of plaque and buildup of our endothelial cells starts to change its phenotype from a regular functional endothelial cell, something which is called as an endoantique, which is going from an endothelial to a mesenchymal. And clearly that mesenchymal stromal cells are not good for you. So Got it. what we found from this paper was that statins, in addition to lowering all the cholesterol, has an effect on the chromatin. So this is your tightly bound DNA within the nucleus, mm-hmm. which in a regular inflammatory or other conditions kind of slightly opens up and pushes that cell to become a non-functional cell. Statins basically are preventing that pathological transdifferentiation from a functional endothelial cells to a non-functional endothelial cell. And this is, this is uh, you know, really good because it can prevent from an early stage, let's say if we identify someone who is borderline atherosclerosis mm-hmm. or borderline heart dysfunction, if they start on statin, our assumption is that maybe we can prevent that sort of semi-permanent change in the DNA, the chromatin, which will push it to become a non-functional cell. So that's that's where the story comes in of this effects of statins. That's super cool. I yes. love it. Well, so I eat right. I exercise. My mm-hmm. cholesterol is golden. Uh, should I be asking my GP to put me on a prophylactic dose of simvastatin? 
Rachel, that's an excellent question because, you know, do does everybody needs a statin? I mean, you know, right. we look, definitely there's beneficial effects. Mm-hmm. But I think we do need to be a little bit more cautious of just not, you know, over-prescribing a drug where, you know, it's not warranted. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I definitely think statins are good for people who have, of course, you know, high cholesterol. Or people have predisposing conditions or comorbidities like diabetes or a borderline hypertension. Now, those patients who doesn't who who do not have fulminant heart dysfunction or vascular dysfunction, I think they those could be taking the beneficial effects of the statins. I think. So, I mean, you mentioned you eat healthy, you exercise. I, I don't think you would need to take uh, a statin. You know, but, you know, we have our yearly uh, physical done. And if we detect anything, I think it is a really good drug to go on to, you know, early prevention can prevent a lot of downstream negative effects or consequences. So you don't need it, but there are many, many people who can benefit from being on it. Well, so we're not putting it in the water just yet. Not yet. Um. There's much more discovery to be done of these effects of of statin, not just in cardiovascular. I think there's beneficial effects in uh, people who suffer from cancer. Okay, yeah. That would be a really interesting, that'll be my my follow-up podcast episode with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so before we leave the topic of research behind, I wanted to talk to you about your paper in Nature. I think we all know that the road to publication isn't paved with cheese. What challenges did you face while trying to get this paper into a journal and how did you overcome them? Yeah, getting into, you know, into a high impact, good journal is always a struggle. And, you know, you're trying to convince not just those three reviewers or four reviewers who are the other side, but also, you know, we strive to make sure that the readers really enjoy reading it and gain something and take it to their own lab. So, you know, with my mentor, Dr. Joe Wu, who uh, was a co-senior author with me and the first author, mm-hmm. Chun, uh, it did take a long time to get to this publication. So, uh, you know, it was a struggle. It took us about three to four years to get this paper wow. out, uh, almost about a year to do the revisions because we were trying to show the beneficial effects of statins other than the cholesterol-lowering effects, uh, mm-hmm. which, which is so, you know, we had to go leaps and bounds to kind of prove our hypothesis, and you can see it in the paper. We have almost about seven or eight figures trying to prove it with many different ways. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the key was to tell the readers and you know, prof- the, the academic people that, you know, statins are like an old drug with new tricks. And mm. when you were trying to say that is an old drug with new tricks, I think we need to prove above and beyond, which we did in the publication. So yes, there were some roadblocks of trying to prove, you know, any good journal, it takes longer time. But, you know, I'm glad it's out there uh, for people to read it. Well, so I always ask my uh, guests the same two questions. Right. And the first one is, who is a surgeon you admire and why? This might be a weird question for you, though, not being a, a slicer and dicer. So, uh, not really. You know, I, being in the vascular surgery or even in cardiology, I did my, you know, clinical cardiology, but then I decided not to do MD, do my PhD separately into vascular biology. But 
we work with surgeons all the time. You know, one of the surgeons which I've always looked up since I came at Stan, you know, became a faculty here, and even as a postdoc before, was Dr. Joseph Wu, the other CT surgeon, Dr. Wu. And the reason is because not only he is doing absolutely phenomenal work of giving people a new heart, mm. but he's also taking the work in his lab and trying to discover other ways of improving heart function, uh, but not forgetting that we still need a new heart. I mean, there is no way around it, but is there any other ways we can prevent the heart transplant to occur? But if we do have to do it, what are the good ways we can extend that thing from happening? Dr. W.O.O. is one of them I look up to because I think he has done phenomenally both at the clinical at the as well as the lab side. Awesome. Uh, this one should be cross-functional. What is the best advice you have received in 10 words or less? Okay, so that's, uh, okay, 10 words. I mean, I got a lot of advice. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm going to count the words afterwards, Rachel. So let me say okay. this. So my mentor, Dr. Joe Wu, so W-U, uh, who's okay. director of the Cardiovascular Institute, um, whenever, uh, you know, as a, as a postdoc in his lab, his advice i have tied a knot to my shirt you know on it's a knot so mm -hmm. i try to remember it every time is you try to keep your head down and continue working and hard work always pays okay. so i hope that's 10 words so, <laughs> uh, we, i mean let, we let the listeners count the words but uh, that, that's the advice i always keep in mind that hard work always pays uh, you keep continuing to do on so uh, what you're really passionate about well, um, that brings us just about to time, but I wanted to ask you one last question, and that is, what's next? So I think, uh, you know, many things. One, of course, we want to dig deeper with the statin study, you know, because, you know, we really want to understand the other effects, beneficial effects of statin. What are the, uh, you know, molecular molecules which might be involved in the crosstalk resistance? So we want to dig deeper, do some mouse studies. But I think oh, in general, the, I think the next thing is um, try to bring the importance of the vasculature uh, in the realm of cardiac dysfunction. And then I think as a, a cardiologist, we all are quite myopic when we think about cardiology mm -hmm. and think only about the beating heart cells. But I think if we dig into the vasculature and try to understand that if we can improve the plumbing, there is a very good chance we can improve the uh, kitchen sink, prevent the kitchen sink from leaking. So I think that's what I really want to strive in my lab is to try to improve the vasculature, try to understand a vascular disease, which will help us improve heart dysfunction, can improve brain dysfunction. I mean, because, you know, there's a very rich blood supply in the brain. So that's what we are kind of pushing the boundaries and trying to study this effects of the vasculature and other organs. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. The pleasure was all mine. And that brings us to the end of another episode. If you like Scrubcast, we hope you'll tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Scrubcast is a production of Stanford University's Department of Surgery. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Baker. The music is by Midnight Rounds, and our chair is Dr. Mary Hahn.